return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. This week's got a word for us. Stephen Deb, God bless you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. And appreciate you guys. Let's welcome Deb, all right, as she comes to share tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. Yes, Yours Lord. is the kingdom. Yours hallelujah. is the power. Yours is the glory. Oh, hallelujah. We give place to your honor. We give place to your glory. We give place to your, your goodness, yes. your love, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're right here in our midst. Amen. Mm, thank you for the truth that sets men free in thank Jesus' you, name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So we're still talking about renewing that mind. Yeah. Session five. Doesn't feel like we've been at it that long, but how many is this your first time to be on one of the renew of renewing the mind? Okay. So Everybody's on board. Amen. <clears throat> I was going to deal with the whole the whole evening on victim mindsets, but that's kind of a downer. <laughs> so we'll save that for a little bit here. I wanted to start with this verse, Philippians 2.12, that I confess for years has had me kind of baffled. King James puts it like this, work out your own salvation with fear, and trembling, and as we all know, we don't work for our salvation. So right. what's this all about? Right. As we know from Ephesians 2, it's by grace that we're saved. Yes. And even that, that faith that he gives us is a gift from God. So it has nothing to do with working for your salvation. When we say yes to Christ, the very kingdom of God enters us. Our spirits are made completely new. One version says a new species of being. Glory to God. Now, I know I've said this before, and you might think, why does she keep at that? Because most people don't believe it. They honestly do not believe that our spirit man is complete. The very holiness of God is within us. The righteousness of Christ. Our spirit man, this person that where Christ is taken up residence by his Holy Spirit, Knows no fear. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. It's just brimming with faith, brimming with hope, brimming with love. Yeah. The greater one abides in us now by way of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the champion, the overcomer himself, yes. the one who overcame death and hell and the grave, and he's taken up residence in you and me. Amen. John 1.16 says, Of his fullness have we received. And that grace for grace for grace. Everything we're ever going to need. We've been on this verse many times in this last five sessions. Second Peter 1.3. Everything we'll ever need for life 
and godliness. Everything. It's already within us, deposited there within us. Now, remember Jesus' first words when he uh, began his earthly ministry. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew's version. Did I give you that verse maybe? I know Mark, he simply said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of God. Now, we've talked about this meaning of repent. All of us grew up with this idea that it meant to cry and to mourn and be really sad about your sin, which that has to happen at some point or we're not going to get saved. But when he says to repent for the kingdom is at hand, it means that this fullness, this power, this authority, this abundance in Christ We can't even step into that until first we have this repentance, which really means to change your mind. That's why we're working at this relentlessly renewing our mind business. If we want the kingdom of heaven to enter us, the kingdom of God, God's world with its glory and its power and its goodness, hope and peace and love and freedom and strength and abundance, And everything Jesus promised for us, it's all connected to this changing of our mind. Because we don't have to change our spirit. We got that figured out, right? In fact, what God wants is for our mind and our our will and our emotions, which is our soul, to come into unity with our spirit man. And I found this scripture since last time we were together, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. This is from the Passion Bible where it says... God has not destined, but let's just get the word not out of there. God has destined us, dot, 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 to possess salvation. He wants us to to grab it, take it, experience, live it out. The entire package. Now, it's very similar to when Joshua was going to lead everybody into the promised land. God said, it's years. Now, was God surprised that there were some giants in the land? Was God surprised that there were Hittites and Parasites and Jebusites and on and on and on? I think he knew. He knew there were fortified cities, but he said, hey, the land is yours for the taking. Go in and possess the land. In fact, the word possess the land, that phrase shows up 15 times in the book of Joshua. 260 times in the Bible. This is our land, friends. This is our land. Go in now and possess it. I mean, God's well aware we're going to run into a few obstacles here and there. We got a devil that's after us. But you know what? He set it up for us to win, to overcome. All the grace we're ever going to need is already ours. Hallelujah. Now, I shared, I think, maybe last time that it's kind of like muscles, I mean, every one of us are born with the same exact muscles. But some peoples are a little more developed than others. Yes, because they've worked at it, right? But I was thinking that maybe isn't the best comparison because that makes it seem like what we've been given is this mini Jesus, this mini kingdom, and that it's up to us to get it to get bigger in us. The truth is it can't get any bigger than it already is. It's probably, I was thinking it's more like a computer program. It's kind of like somebody gave you a computer with the, the best program in the entire world 
that can do anything and everything. We just have to learn how to figure it out. What buttons to push? Well, that's probably not a good comparison. But anyway, how to access all that's there, right? We have this glory. We have this power. We have this authority. We have this love. We have the kingdom of God within us. We just need to figure out how to access it and to live in it and experience it. So, I'm going to give you the Deb Kalsbeck translation then of Philippians 2.12, which remember said the King James was, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And just so you don't think I'm way off track, the Amplified actually uses the phrase, and I didn't give that to you, Jeremy, I'm sorry, but it's okay. I'll just give you the two little phrases. The Amplified says cultivate it. Cultivate it. Cultivate the salvation that's in you. And it also uses the phrase, bring it to its full effect. Oh, look at this. Well, let's see if I can find my couple phrases that I came up with. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in your presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your own salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to its full effect. Okay, so here's my translation. Relentlessly pursue your full inheritance in Christ. Chase after and grasp and make it yours, the complete gift from God that's already within you. And do it with a bit of fear, realizing you could miss it. Just like the Israelites who missed the promised land because they couldn't and wouldn't believe. Make it your life's quest to capture all that Christ already captured for you. Tremble. Shudder, in fact, that you could miss becoming all that Christ has destined for you to become. And as we've been discussing, God's method of transformation is this renewing of the mind by the word of the living God. He's made it real obvious. This is a big deal, renewing our minds. It's a lifelong pursuit. Um, who is Steve Backlund that says, okay, how about a five and a half year plan? And I was talking about that with Steve, and Steve says, no, it's going to take me a lifetime. <laughs> but It's not like taking vitamins, guys. If you take too many vitamins, it just goes down the drain, and your body can only assimilate so much at a time. The Word of God, you can overdose on it. You can take a whole bunch and accelerate the process and become a little bit more like Jesus just by getting into the Word of God. So we want to get into the word. We want the word to get into our hearts and plant it even into our subconscious. Why the subconscious? I shared with you before. 95% of our life is driven by the subconscious mind. I'm talking about the belief systems that have taken up residence in our hearts that we might not even realize exist. Our lives will always go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Or, as the Bible says, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, it's kind of cool when the Bible and science agree, and this is one of the topics that they actually agree on. There is a new discipline, rather new in modern psychology, that they call behavioral therapy, which teaches that many problems like anxiety issues, depression issues, eating disorders, Addictions are all rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. And guess how they're treating these problems? They want you to change your thinking. 
They call it developing new neural pathways. And they do it by digging trenches of truth. That's actually the phrase they use. Digging trenches of truth so that the mind can find those new pathways and not slip back into that old way of thinking. Sounds remarkably like God's process, doesn't it? (laughs) Of transformation where God said, be ye transformed. Or anybody remember the Greek word? Metamorpho. Okay, you're saying it better than me. All right. (laughs) Remember that word. It means literally to be transfigured. Take on the radiance, the splendor of Christ. It blows me away, this process of God. Just by getting into this wonderful word and grafting it into our souls that we take on this radiance of Christ and the likeness of Christ. Proverbs 4.21 from the Passion Bible. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Now, how do we do that? Faith comes by and hearing comes by the... So we hear it and we speak it and we sing it and we declare it and we decree it until it gets into our hearts and then what do we do? We do it again. We read it and we speak it and we sing it and we declare it. Because it's up to us to keep faith alive. It's us, up to us to keep our minds stayed on him. And then there's a promise right after this. Do we have the next verse too? Now, oops, no, no, sorry. The rest of Proverbs 4. Maybe, 20, maybe it's 22. Because it says, if you'll fill your thoughts with my words, then as you unwrap my words... I mean, picture that this week, guys. You're unwrapping this gift from heaven. As you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. Now, I'm praying tonight that somehow God would light a fire in our hearts to realize it's up to us. We are not pawns in the game of life. Fate does not decide who you are and what you are and what you're going to become. There's no limit whatever to the transformation that can occur in any one of our lives. And, friends, in the lives of your family. Do you realize that by declaring the word of God in your prayer time, you can affect your family's lives? Do you realize you can affect your own health? You can affect your own finances. Hallelujah. God wants to partner with us, you and me, and bringing forth the very destiny of heaven in our lives and in the lives of others. Now, let's talk a little bit about mindsets. What if God was handing out money, (laughs) which he does, but what if he gave you a dollar bill? For every high level, 100% agreeing with God thought that you've thought in the last two years. All right, add it up, add it up, quick, quick, quick. How many of you would be rich? All right. Middle class? Poor? (laughs) All right, well, we want to work at this, right? We want to think a little bit more higher thoughts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it's our mindsets that are going to determine 
whether or not we ever experience this abundance of Christ in our lives. Now, by mindset, I'm talking about the collection of our attitudes, our beliefs, our thoughts, our habits. And the way we think, friends, will shape the way we see. I mean, we've all seen that on lawyer programs, or right? Two people can say the same, see the same thing and see something different. So the way we think determines how we see. How we see determines what we believe. What we believe will determine what we experience. So when I was studying this matter of victim mindsets, because I announced to, remind me of first name. Albert, I announced to Albert a couple weeks ago, I think I'm going to preach on victim mindsets. So I thought, I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't have any issues in this area. So I can preach all, you know, I'll be a great preacher on this topic. But then when I started thinking about it and studying it, like I thought, oh, I have a few issues here. And you might be where I was thinking, no, not me, I don't have any issues, but mm, just wait here now. I'm going to ask you a couple questions to kind of help you. So here's question number one. Now be honest. Do you ever complain? Hmm, that's a mean one, isn't it? I mean, the truth is, friends, every time we complain, what we're really essentially saying is, I'm a victim here. Look at the ten spies versus Joshua and Caleb. They were promised, here it is. We just want you to scope it out. But they come back and they say, we're powerless. They're too big. They're too, it's too impossible. And they couldn't blame anybody. I mean, that's another thing of the victim mindset is this blaming thing. But this is just feeling powerless. But were they powerless, friends? they have the mighty God on their side. They have the promise that it's yours. Just go in and possess it. Um, I heard, is it Keenan Bridges? Is anybody familiar with him? He was, he was sharing about being in a big traffic situation and I confess that I get to talking to myself or to the other people in the traffic while I'm in the car. Does anybody else do that? Talk to the people who can't hear you anyway. But Anyway, Apparently, traffic was really bad. It was by an airport. It's a big city. And so he's going on and on and on. What terrible drivers they are. Don't they know how to drive? And, and then the Lord broke in and said, are you a victim here? And he kind of had the attitude I had, like, me, a victim? Mm-mm. But then the Lord said, well, then why are you complaining? So we have to kind of be thinking about this, friends, because the truth is, I mean, what if it was, anybody else have a problem in traffic? Okay, so Lowell, what if you're driving down the street and you're starting to get, feel your blood pressure go up and you're starting to hear your vocabulary get a little louder and maybe a little more intense and, I mean, so how do we think at a point like that? We can say, well, that's who I am. Or we could say, no, I have the spirit of power in me. I am patient. 
I am self-controlled. I live out of rest. Hebrews 4, we've talked about Hebrews 4, yes? One of those things we're supposed to work at. Ephesians 4.11, strive to enter into rest. Put forth effort to enter into rest. Hallelujah. Let's go to that um, Romans 15.13 now, another super duper duper verse. (laughs) Now the God of hope fill you. Friends, this is the desire of God's heart. He wants to fill you with all joy. Passion Bible says uncontainable joy. And peace, tangible peace, peace that those people right beside you in the same room can sense that you are walking in, living in, thinking in peace. He wants hope to ooze from you, friends. Now, how does it happen? In believing. It all happens in Believing, we hear the word of God, we read the word of God, and we mix it with faith. Question number two to consider in regards to victim mindsets, do you ever say, why? And I've noticed that God tends to not answer the why questions. Have you noticed? He just kind of keeps smiling at you and keeps hugging you and loving you, but he won't answer the question. He will answer the what questions. And he's more than happy to show you who he really is. We sang about the good, good father tonight. He's going to just pour out his love and let you know that he still loves you, and he will always love you past anything you can fathom. And he still has an unbelievably good plan for your life, no matter what is going on. It's all about stirring up faith and practicing faith and trusting in God, right? Isn't that what traffic is even about? I trust you, Father. (laughs) You know where I'm at right now. You know what's going on. Hallelujah. Okay, here's question number three. Do you ever need a pep talk? Well, probably the better question is, do you often need a pep talk? Well, I think every one of us need one once in a while. But if we're living for a pep talk, like if you can't live without calling up Jeannie Kaufman and getting her to encourage your heart, which she's a pro at, maybe we have a little issue. Maybe. I had a really good friend once that, We ended up, she broke off the relationship because I was abusing her. I was using her to to build myself up because I was so insecure about who I was at the time. Listen, my friends, Jeannie, as beautiful and as encouraging as she is, that is not her job to encourage me or to encourage you. She's going to get blessed, blessed, blessed for all that she does and all the encouraging she does. And same with any of you. You're all builder-uppers. I know that's about you. But I'm responsible for my heart, for my level of my faith. I'm level. I'm responsible for even what I think. And, of course, next time we'll be talking about our words. (laughs) 
So here's number four question. Are you deeply concerned with? Is it a big deal what other people think about you? And again, I kind of thought I was free of that, but I happened to have lunch with some people, and I came away and I was thinking about it for days, like, they don't approve of me. I wonder what I said. I wonder what I did. You all think like that too, right? Once in a while. (laughs) But what is it that really matters, friends? We should, and I should. I actually did go to the Father and says, Lord, what do you think about me? And that's what matters the most, friends, is what God says and what God thinks. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And the key walk is me and Jesus. And yes, I have to live in love. I have to keep myself in peace. All right, here's question number five. Did it, does it ever cross your mind or does it ever come out of your mouth? It's his fault. It's her fault. It's my mother's fault. It's my father's fault. It's my sister's fault. It's those neighbors down the street. It's my husband. I'd be happy if it wasn't for... No, those are not the way we should respond at all in life, friends. I mean, Adam did it right from the beginning. God, it's that woman you gave me, that you gave me. We have to take responsibility for ourselves and for our own choices. Put aside the pride, put aside the sense of entitlement, and relentlessly pursue the renewed mind that thinks God's high thoughts of love and purpose, and see the best in people, and trust that God's working it all out for good. Now, there are certain advantages of having a victim mindset. So the first one is, you absolve yourself of all responsibility. Like, I'm not responsible here. I'm not responsible for this or that or anything. And you can live like that for a while and kind of maybe keep yourself at a whatever you would call it, and sort of an equilibrium, but there comes a point like the man in the, the um, parable of the talents, the one who hid his in the ground, and why did he hide it? Because he saw himself as a victim of a hard and cruel boss, which, by the way, wasn't even true. So his perspective was way off. But he was called to account, friends, at the end. And we are all going to be called to account for what we did with the gifts that were given us, with the kingdom deposited within us. Oh my goodness, hallelujah. And the power and the authority and the love and the hope. Okay, so here's uh, another advantage of having a victim mindset is you, people will lavish you with a whole lot of attention for a while. And some people thrive on that. And you can manipulate people like that. You could get people to feel sorry for you. But you end up drawing people like that to yourself. And pretty soon there's a whole group of you. And it's kind of a big downer. <laughs> Not a whole lot of joy in that. Kevin Souter always said, what? Get around people who make your baby kick. That's what you want. You want somebody who makes that baby inside you, that dream, that kingdom, start burning 
kicking. Hallelujah. Pressing in. You want to be around people pressing in for more of God. Now, I talked with you a little bit before about this word repent. The Greek is metanoia, which does mean change your mind. Change the way you think. Now, the English rendition is pretty simple. Repent. What does re mean? Do it again. Do it again or go back. Pent, anybody know? Penthouse? Yeah, we're thinking high. High. So go back to the high thoughts. Go back to the the, the, the way of integrity, the way of love. And again, friends, now this then will give a new meaning to living a life of repentance. We're not talking then about constantly mourning your sin because it's taken care of. We're talking about constantly going back to the highway of thinking. Another reason to memorize scripture, and if you're not a good memorizer, then just say it again and say it again and say it again, and I think I shared that before. That's why declarations are so powerful, because when you speak the word of God, you keep hearing it, and the hearing of faith is what builds it up some more and some more and some more. Now, uh, let's just briefly talk about a couple people in the Bible who had incredibly victorious mindsets. Woo! Actually, there are a whole bunch of them, but Joseph is one of them. You know, he had countless reasons to have become a victim. He was hated by his brothers. I mean, I can just kind of see somebody going to see their psychologist weekly for a lifetime because, do you know what it's like to be hated by your own flesh and blood? But he overcame that. Randon kind of helped us out when you were talking that day. How did he do it? Because he kept focusing on the dream, the word that God had given him. And then they threw him in this pit. Talk about trauma, right? I mean, he could have been ruined goods for life because of that experience. But he bounced back. He refused the Ior anointing. Are you familiar with Winnie the Pooh? He refused the Ior anointing and he chose the Tigger anointing. He just kept bouncing back and bouncing back and bouncing back. Hallelujah. And we can be that way too, friends. Everything in us. He was lied about. Put in prison for no just cause, whatever. He could have been a victim for his life. But no. He chose to believe God and to trust God. Daniel's another one. I preached on him before. Talk about someone who could have been a victim. He was captured at a very young age. Barely, what, 17, 18? By Nebuchadnezzar's army. And they didn't, I don't think they blindfolded him. He, could, he watched his beloved city, Jerusalem, be killed, slaughtered, captured. He saw all these people he knew and loved killed. Then they stole him over to Babylon, changed his name, brainwashed him for years to get him to think like the Babylonians. 
The one book I read, they were sure that he became a eunuch, that they stripped him of his masculinity. I mean, he could have said, I am ruined for my life. No. The Bible describes him as a man with excellent spirit. Tell me, how do you do that? How do you go from being pushed down and pushed down and treated like that to becoming a man of excellent spirit? It has to do with what he's thinking, what he's meditating on, what he's remembering. That man, well, here's a quote I used when I preached on Daniel. He became the man the lions wouldn't eat because he was three-quarters backbone and the rest of him was gristle. Over and over, friends, he chose life and faith and a grateful heart. That's really why they put him in the lion's den, right? Because he wanted to. He chose to give thanks three times a day. David is another. Hated by his brothers. His dad didn't even believe in him. The king was out to kill him. And yet he fulfilled his calling because he chose to believe that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Got that verse for us? Psalm 27, 13. That's a verse you all have to get memorized, friends. We are going to choose. We're choosing that we shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, are you ready for a few declarations? All right, I got a few for you again tonight. Are you ready? I refuse to miss God's best for my life. I refuse to live in anything less than his full inheritance. I'm choosing to believe what God says about me. I'm choosing to partner with God in the renewing of my mind daily. I'm engaging with truth. And the truth is setting me free. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I'm not a victim of my past. I'm not a victim of my finances. I'm not a victim of my health. I'm not a victim of what people think about me. I am who God says I am. I am forgiven. I am cherished. Hmm, You need to do that one again. I am cherished. Fully provided for. Favored. And empowered. I'm done with complaining. Let's say it again. I'm done with complaining. I'm done with blaming. I'm done with the grasshopper mentality. I know who I am. I am more than a conqueror. Through him who loved me and still loves me and who will always love me. Goodness and mercy are chasing me down. Hey, look behind you. 
Goodness and mercy are chasing me down. The God of hope is filling me with uncontainable joy and peace that passes understanding and hope that abounds all because I believe God and I believe his word and God's word shall never return void in me Praise you, Jesus. Ah, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. It will not return void. It will not return void. It will not return void. Thank you for this great people here tonight. For the great faith that's rising up in their hearts, Lord, to grasp and to possess everything that you have in yes. mind for them. Yes. In Jesus' name, let the blessing of God rest upon them. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody need prayer? I'm glad to agree with you. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.